0: So here we are, episode number 300 of the Restaurant Strategy Podcast. This is a milestone definitely worth celebrating. I can't even... Believe that we're here. This show is nearly five years old. I launched it in April of 2019, really as a way of scratching my own itch. There were conversations I wanted to have, and I felt like I was having over and over again with independent owners and operators. And I just thought, let me get everybody on the same page. So whoever needs this information, whoever wants to level up, can get this information uh, as a free resource in the form of the podcast. That's why I did it. The whole goal was to help increase the profitability of independent restaurants. And I feel like we've done that. We continue to do that. Uh, over and over and over again, 300 times so far to everybody who's been with me from the beginning or or, or way back near the beginning. I, I can't thank you enough for your commitment, um, uh, for the support for everyone else out there. And guess what? That's most of you. For everyone else who just joined us in this past year, I'd say welcome to the party. Uh, I was looking through our statistics and uh, the data says that 86% of our listeners just discovered the show this year. It is un. Believable. This show has exploded in popularity. Uh, that's obvious in the, uh, the conversations I have uh, when I'm at trade shows and conventions and conferences, uh, from the emails I get, and from just looking at the data of the show. It's incredible. Really, it comes down to uh, how much this community uh, cares about this, cares about each other. I care about you guys, so thank you. On today's episode, we are going to celebrate this milestone. 300 is a big deal. I want to share with you some incredible statistics beyond just that 86% number. I'm going to share with you some more statistics. I want to share with you our top 10 episodes from the year. I want to share my other six favorite episodes that didn't make the top 10. And then I want to share with you a little bit of my background, my trajectory, what I'm hoping to accomplish every single week uh, on this show, in the books I write, in the talks I give, in the uh, the masterminds that I run. And then I want to map out what we're going to do over the next 100 episodes. That's basically going to be all of 2024. I want to talk to you about some of the things that, uh, that I'm curious about, some of the things that I want to learn more about. And I hope that you share that same curiosity. I hope that you're ready to level up in those areas. All of that and more on today's episode, episode 300 of the Restaurant Strategy Podcast. There's an old saying that goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a podcast with answers for anyone who's looking. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. This is Chip Close, and I am your host. Restaurant Strategy Podcast happens every single week, Mondays and Thursdays. Glad to have you here. This podcast is dedicated to helping you build a more profitable restaurant. I leverage the 20-plus years every single week. I leverage my 20-plus years of experience to help you build that more profitable and sustainable restaurant. Business. I do that in a bunch of different ways. On this podcast, I do that through the books I write. I do that from the uh, through the talks that I give when I take the stage all over the world. And I do that also through the P3 Mastermind program. Right. So I work directly with restaurant owners and operators from all over the world. In fact, through that program, over a hundred members to date, uh, spread across three different uh, three different groups. You pick the group that works for you. We're going to work through the challenges that you face in a systematic way. If you've got a busy restaurant, if you're generating at least a million dollars in revenue, right, you got a good product, people are coming back, but you struggle to generate consistent, predictable 20% returns, then this is the program for you, and I want to talk with you. Go, set up a call. That's the way you get started. Chat with me or someone from my team. Go to restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash schedule. Grab some time on the calendar. We'll learn more about you and your restaurant. You'll learn more about the program. Again, restaurant Strategy podcast. Dot com slash schedule as always, that link is in the show notes. Okay. Episode 300. What a ride it has been. Again, I launched this show in April, 2019 as a way of scratching my own itch. Famously, I started the show saying I'm going to do 30 episodes in a row, 30 Mondays in a row, say what I had to say and see if I enjoyed myself, see if I liked it, see if people were getting anything out of it. And if it was uh, if it was a yes all the way around, uh, then I would continue doing it. And here we are, <laughs> 31, 32, 33, all the way up through now, episode 300. Um, this show has been uh, one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life. Uh, turning on the microphone, speaking to out my window into my backyard, um, and saying the things that I think about, the things that I'm seeing, the 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 ways I know that restaurant owners can improve their operations and marketing um, to be more successful. Did you know? Like I said at the top, 86% of our listeners just discovered the show this year. That's incredible. We also increased from one episode a week to two episodes a week, right? And our downloads have gone way up, but they haven't doubled. They've like quadrupled. So yes, we we are getting more people naturally listening to the show because we're naturally doing more episodes, but we're also seeing incredible, incredible growth. Something about this show is catching on and taking fire. 86% of our audience just discovered the show this year. We're also in 120 different countries around the world. Number one country is the United States. After that, we've got Canada, UK, Philippines, and India. In that order, if you can believe it. And we go all the way down. We're in 120 different countries. It's incredible. I wanna share with you our top 10 episodes of this year in order. Number 10, the 10th most popular episode was 205, How to Build a Catering Business with Deuce Raymond. Uh, It was actually focusing on his seven-figure catering business. He does barbecue catering, and it's now a very profitable, very successful arm of his business, and he really lays out a how-to guide. Do not miss that one, episode 205. Number nine, episode two fifty-eight. The six complaints I feel like I hear all the time from restaurant owners, and one by one, we dispel the myths and and find a solution to the complaints. There's no reason to complain. We actually have a great deal of agency in just about everything we do, and I and I uh, deal with them every single one of the time. Uh, number eight, the number eighth most popular episode of the year was actually also the sixth most popular episode of the year. I'll explain what I mean. Episode 200, I, we released an episode called Everything I Believe About Running Restaurants. And I shared everything, everything I believe about running a profitable restaurant. We ran an encore of that episode because it was so popular. And it was also the number sixth, the number six most popular uh, episode of the year. So the encore actually outperformed the original, if you can believe that. Number seven, episode 216, how to create first-class training. I walked you through the tier one, tier two, and tier three, or level one, level two, level three training, how you get somebody ready in their first seven days to take a station, how you get people ready in their first 90 days to be as good as your best staff, and then how to develop that team over the year, two, three, 10 years, so a job can grow into a career. That episode, again, wildly popular, and I'm really proud of that one. Number five, episode 238, How to Get Better Waiters. Here's the secret. You don't find them. You make them. And somewhere along the way, we stopped making great waiters, and then we wonder where all the great waiters went. Well, great waiters aren't being found because you haven't made them yet. I think we can get better at creating better waiters. Uh, Number four, the psychology of price. This was a riff on a conversation I had with William Poundstone about his book, Priceless. But in there, I share a lot of different uh, ideas about uh, price anchoring and value and and worth and what a transaction is. It's a great conversation. I love that episode. Number three, episode 214, the 12 stupid simple marketing hacks you got to put into practice right away. Number two, episode 221, Mastering Restaurant Operations with Rick Kamak. Rick is uh, an operator and an owner himself. Uh, He's now a consultant. He works with restaurant owners all over uh, New York City and beyond. Very smart guy, very insightful, and he shared a lot from his experience of opening restaurants, running restaurants, owning restaurants. And then number one, the number one most popular episode of the year by far was episode 224. It was called Creating Better Managers. Again, it's sort of the same idea with waiters. You don't find them. You make them. And I think we can be better at creating better managers. Managers exist to maintain, to manage the profitability of a restaurant. Who cares about great food, great service, great decor? Who cares if the uniforms are clean? If we're not running a profitable restaurant, none of the rest of that matters. Those are the top 10 episodes, and I share them with you because if you're looking for a list to cherry pick, right? So uh, I'm proud of all 300 episodes. I think you can go all the way back to episode one and march through one, two, three, four, five, all the way up to 300. But if you want a way to cherry pick, those are a good, uh, that's a good list of 10 episodes to start. And what I want to do is I also want to share my six favorite episodes because they don't necessarily coincide here. In fact, my favorite. Very favorite episode of the year, maybe my favorite episode in all 300 that I've recorded, didn't make this top 10 this year. And I can't believe it. So I'm going to keep, I'm going to stand on my soapbox, grab a megaphone, and tell everybody I know about this because the episode is absolute fire. Okay. So those are the top 10 episodes of the year. But what about my six favorites? They're totally different. Number 210. So I've got three. Three favorites from the monologue shows and three favorite interviews. And as you know, we do two episodes now every week. Every Monday is an interview. Every Thursday is a monologue, right? And we go back and forth because I like like the monologue. I like being able to put my two cents in. But I also love the interviews, and it's very obvious that you guys love the interviews. So my three favorite Thursday episodes, my three favorite monologue-style shows, episode 210, Rethinking the role of the waiter, I closed my eyes, looked five, ten years into the future, and and thought about how the role of the waiter might change. The fact that the waiter was invented about 250 years ago when restaurants as we now know them were invented in Paris, France. But now, given the technology and the other realities we're faced with— I think we don't necessarily need the same structure we've had the last 250 years. And to make a case for the fact that back in Paris, if they had access to the technology we did, I think the restaurant would look very, very different. Go check out that episode. Um, Episode number 290, how to increase profitability, specifically focusing on second beverage sales. Uh, I do a little bit of a a case study, a math problem, as it were, over that episode. Uh, The data is irrefutable. If you push... Second beverage sales, not third, fourth, fifth. I'm not talking about over serving anyone. I'm talking about second beverages. If you get people the drink that they want and they can consume, it'll change your uh, your business. It'll increase the profitability of your business. Um, that data has been clear for the last, I don't know, 50 years, but I lay it out in that episode, episode 290. 272, man, this is the narcissist in me. Uh, I read an excerpt of my book. I read the introduction and the first chapter to my book. The book is The Restaurant Marketing Mindset. I'm incredibly proud of that. It came out earlier this year. Uh, a bunch of you have gotten it, which, by the way, if you haven't gotten it, it's on sale now through the end of the year as my gift to you. It's half price. If you go to therestaurantmarketingmindset.com, you can get the book half price. And in fact, it's just flat $5 shipping on the books. If you get one, 10, or 100, the price is still $5 shipping. I know I'm going to lose my shirt. Someone's going to order like 80 of these guys, and I'm I'll be only too happy to do it. If you want the book, if you don't have the book yet, here's your, uh, here's your call to go get the book. It's half price through the end of the year. So that episode uh, I really love, and I think it'll give you um, a great feel for the tone and the dynamic of the book. My three favorite interviews. I interviewed Anthony Valletta on uh, episode 241. He's the president of Bar Taco. Bar Taco has completely rethought their service model, the way that they use waiters go listen to that episode, it's incredible. Number 275, William Poundstone, the author of Priceless. He shares a lot of, uh, of data and research from uh, Danny Kahneman and, um, uh, and Tversky, and so shares a lot of that, and it, and it applies directly to what we do in the restaurants. And then finally, my absolute favorite episode of the year, and probably my favorite episode that I've ever done Maybe excluding episode two ninety nine, just last, uh, just the other day, when I interviewed my son, when we talked about uh, how kids, how we can be more uh, inclusive of having ge- kids and welcoming kids into the restaurant. Aside from the episode I did with my son, episode two twenty nine is an interview with Kevin Bame. Kevin Bame is co-founder, co-CEO of Boca Restaurant Group out in Chicago. Um, Boca Restaurant, Girl and Goat, uh, on and on and on. Laser Wolf. I think it's like 24, 25 different concepts, and he brought such transparency and honesty to that conversation. That guy does not care. He literally shares his recipe for restaurant success. He was so open and and, and insightful, and, uh, and I can't thank him enough. You have to go listen to that episode. If you haven't done it yet, make sure to go do it. There it is, the top 10 episodes of the year, my six favorite episodes of the year. Let me take just a second and introduce myself or reintroduce myself, right? Plenty of you have been with me from the beginning or near the beginning, so you might know my story. But I'm guessing a bunch of you only just discovered the show in this last year because, again, the data shows that the vast majority of you guys just came here. So here's me. My name is Chip Close. I've spent my entire adult life in, uh, in the restaurant industry. So that's 24 years in hospitality. Uh, I started, uh, I, started in high, I actually started way back in, uh, in, in high school, folding pizza boxes and mopping floors at the local pizza place. Um, but really in college, that's when I started waiting tables. I went through college uh, and, and waited tables through much of that. Then I came to New York City, and I got into fine dining. I, I'll remind you that I went and got my undergrad degree in theater. So I moved to New York City uh, to, be, uh, to be a performer. And in fact, I spent uh, many, many years in the theater industry. And so what do you do in between gigs? You go back to the restaurant job. And that's what I did. And, and I worked a lot of restaurant jobs over the course of my theater career. At a certain point, I stopped. I took a deep breath. I looked back at my theater career, and it was okay. And then I looked back at my restaurant career, and I was like, whoa, this is unbelievable. I mean, I spent a lot of time in fine dining, opening fine dining restaurants, running fine dining restaurants. I've got 13 Michelin stars on my resume. I've worked with three different James Beard Award winners, and I even opened a Relais and Chateau property in upstate New York for Richard Gere. Yes, the actor Richard Gere opened an incredible property. It's an eight room luxury inn, two different restaurants, a yoga space, a private dining. There's a pool out back. It's beautiful. It's called Bedford Post. If you've never seen it or been there, you can Google it. It is gorgeous. I had a uh, a, a very, uh, a really beautiful time opening that, not without its challenges, but I'm really proud of that. And that was a, a Relay and Chateau um, uh, designation. So 13 Michelin stars, three James Beard Award winners, a Relay and Chateau property. And I bring up my fine dining experience simply because fine dining restaurants are so hard. They require so many people and they're so expensive. The product is expensive. The people are expensive. Oftentimes the rents are expensive that it's too difficult to do it unless you really know what you're doing. And I had the great fortune of working with a couple of mentors who really taught me how to do what I should be doing, how we manage restaurants, how we, uh, we build profitable restaurants. That's my career. At a certain point, I switched out of operations and I started doing a lot of consulting. Went back to school, got my MBA, right? So I got all the operational experience. I've got the academic know-how. Went back to school because I looked at the way we ran restaurants and I just thought that's not normal. There should be a better way of doing it. And I learned that when I went back to business school. Now I coach uh, restaurant clients. So I run something called the P3 Mastermind. P3 stands for profit, process, and progress. The three keys to running a, a successful business. It needs to be profitable. You need to understand the process by which you generate that profit. And you need to be making progress every step of the way. It's by moving the chains little by little by little. Making progress every single day. That's why we call it the P3 Mastermind. So to date, we've got like 110 uh, restaurants uh, in the program spread across three different mastermind groups. So we meet two hours every single week uh, to really focus on profitability. It's an extraordinary community, and I feel really grateful to be able to do it. It's the most satisfying work I've ever done in my career, and I've got a bunch of accolades and awards on my resume. I don't care. This is the coolest thing I've done. We talk about it at the beginning of every episode. If this sounds like you, if you've got a busy restaurant, you've been around at least a year, you got to be doing at least a million dollars in revenue. This sounds like you, then we want to talk to you, meaning you're doing a lot of revenue. You've got a good product. People love you. You're just not dropping a consistent, predictable 20% to the bottom line. Then set up a call. Again, restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash schedule. That link is always in the show notes. It's worth worth checking out. It's a free conversation. We'd love to to talk to you if that's something you struggle with. That's me, where I started, where I got to, where I'm at now. That's the majority of what I do. I I do this podcast. I coach my clients. Uh, I travel the world, uh, giving talks and keynotes at different events uh, I, this year. went the furthest I've ever gone to give a talk. I went to New Zealand. The Restaurant Association of New Zealand hosts their annual um, their annual conference. It's called Hui. I was invited to give the keynote. We talked all about the luxury mindset, the difference between the luxury and the commodity mindset, and what I think we need moving forward in the industry, to be successful in the industry. Love that conversation. I love being able to travel to give those talks and meet restaurant owners from all over the world. Uh, And then, of course, I wrote a book, The Restaurant Marketing Mindset. My first book was released just this past October. Many of you have gotten it. Again, I said earlier it's 50% off on the website. Uh, Or if you're out of this country, you can get it uh, on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, any of those places. That's me. That's who I am. A little bit about you. Most of the listeners of this show are independent operators, right? Most of you have a restaurant that's been open a few years. You're doing one, two, maybe $3 million per unit in revenue. And I think most of you guys are looking to level up. You look at the big restaurant groups. You look at the big restaurant chains. And you say, I can't do that. But you can. You can get organized. You can implement some systems very easily, very simply. And that's why I think you're here. So the vast majority of you are independent owners and operators trying to level up and i think that's awesome you are doing what 99 of the others won't do and that's going to make all the difference so whether you've got uh whether we engage because you've uh you've bought my book or because you're part of the coaching program or just because you tune into this show every so often or every single week we're all part of this restaurant strategy community and i'm uh, i feel really blessed to be able to have all you guys here, to be able to have these conversations. One of the things that I wanna talk about today are the things that I believe about running a successful restaurant. And this is stuff we cover every week or every other week. It's certainly, uh, if you've been listening for a while, this is not gonna be news to you, but I wanna put it all together in this one place so it can be in one, uh, we can say, I can say everything I need to say all in one place. Number one, profit is the only thing that matters in your business. A business exists to create value for shareholders. Shareholder in this case, in most businesses, are the owners. You own a share. Maybe you own all the shares in your business. It needs to generate a profit. Without a profit, it's a nonprofit, and we've got plenty of charities. If you want to open a charity restaurant, you're more than welcome to do so. There are some out there, and they can be successful. But I think everybody out here created a business that would provide for them and their families. I think profit is the only thing that matters in your business. Everything else is in service of that. I think one of the things that we struggle with in our industry is not rising food costs, is not the increase in wages while that factors in. I think really what happens is we're we're drowning in a sea of sameness. I think we have to differentiate our product. If you have a differentiated product, meaning you have something that people can't get anywhere else, They will pay what they need to pay to get your product. Perfect example is Disney World. There is only one Disney World. Yes, you can go to other amusement parks, but you can't. You can't replace Disney. There's only one Disney. People will pay what Disney charges because there's only one Disney. If you want to go to Disney World, you want to take your kids down there, it costs a certain amount. It's the same thing with restaurants. I think if we had a product that was so good that people needed to have and they couldn't get it anywhere else, They would pay what you needed to charge, and you'd be successful. We are drowning in a sea of sameness. It's not the increased cost of goods, because really, those just get passed on to the consumer. Same thing with labor. It's got to get passed on to the consumer. That happens with everything else you buy. I don't know why the restaurant industry is different, but we do. We treat it differently, and I think we can do it better. You have to differentiate. That's how you build a profitable business. I also believe you have to delegate my not-so-secret secret secret goal for all the members of my P3 Mastermind is that I'm creating absentee owners. I don't think you need to be at your restaurant every single waking minute of every day. I want you to have the relationship with your your restaurant, the relationship with your business that you want to have. The business should be there to support you. And too often, the restaurant owner supports the business. So I think we have to delegate. I also think we need to focus on systems and goals. I talk a lot about this in the P3 Mastermind. Rather than talking about all the stuff you need to do, let's think about the things we need to accomplish. This is point A. I got to get to point B. What do I have to do to get from point A to point B, right? In order to achieve the following goal, I'm going to do the following actions. If you do that every single day with every aspect of your business and delegate out those systems, your business will change. You will change your life will change. And I think you have to measure what you do, right? This is what we want to accomplish. This is what we're going to do to accomplish that. And then you measure it. Did the actions accomplish the stated goal? If it did, great, do more of it. If it didn't, scrap it, go back to the drawing board. And I think we have to be deliberate, really intentional about what we do and what we want to accomplish. That's what I believe about running a profitable restaurant. And there's a lot we can get into how we hire, how we train, how we manage our team, how we market our restaurants, all of that. But at the bottom line, the foundation of everything are the things we just talked about. I think you got to understand who you are and who you're for. You have to understand why you exist, why you need to exist. Because if you can't explain it, better believe that nobody else is going to understand. That's all we're doing. All we're doing every day is persuading people to come have our product instead of another product. That's is absolutely crucial, and they're all connected. Now, over the last five years, nearly at this point, there's a lot of things, um, there's a lot of things I've learned, things that, uh, that I've discovered through interviews, through conversations, and through my own writing of these episodes, figuring out what I'm going to say. That helps me decide what I believe. So Here's just a couple things in no particular order that I believe. Number one, I think for the most part, Each of us, all of our restaurants, we have all the guests we need. I don't think we need to find new customers. I think we can do a lot better job of bringing the customers who already know us and love us back. Right? There's all this data that's starting to come out now uh, that 70% of all first-time diners will never return. Even if we could get that from 70 down to 50, that would be incredible. Go look and see how many covers you did last month. Right? I don't know, maybe you did 5,000 covers, 10,000 covers, 70%. If you did 10,000 covers, 7,000 of them will never come back. 3,000 of them will. What if you turn 3,000 the 5,000? What if you could get better about increasing the frequency of those visits? I think there are very specific things we need to do to accomplish that, but I think it's less about trying to find new people. It's less about introducing ourselves and more about reintroducing ourselves just nurturing the relationships, building better connections with the people who already decided to come in and try us. I think if we could do that, we would change our business. I like this idea of uh, you can't afford it, right? There's something very simple. As long as the basic benchmarks of the P&L are there, right? That rent or occupancy costs are no more than 8% of revenue. That uh, that your cogs are in line. That, that There are different things that are benchmarked. As long as the the PL is sound. As long as the PL is sound, I think there's just a simple idea that has to be absorbed. Some of this stuff you just can't afford. Perfect example is labor. Well, I can't, I can't, I can't run this restaurant any leaner. I think you need to figure it out. I think you need to figure out what menu you have to serve to be able to cut labor. So maybe you can't execute the current menu with less than the people you have but maybe there's another menu that you could roll out that would allow you to run with three people instead of five people or five people instead of eight people. I think there are solutions there. And it's just something as simple as, I just don't know if you can afford it. If you can't afford it, you can't afford it. There are only hundred pieces to the pie. It's not, like, it's not like profit comes from some magical side dish. It's a hundred pieces to the pie. Give or take your cogs are between 25 and 30. For the most part, your labor has got to be below 30. If you want to make 20% profit, that means you everything else bucket, right? So utilities, insurance, merchant fees, all of that can't be more than about 20%. There's nothing magical about that equation. Just there are 100 pieces of the pie. And if you want 20 of those pieces for yourself, then you've got to keep the rest to 80%. I think sometimes we just, we just can't afford it. I think what I've learned, something I've learned, is that customer lifetime value is something we have to spend more time thinking about so other businesses do a much better job about this right i use the example with my clients uh about uh, hello fresh so i did a case study on hello fresh i'm gonna paraphrase using rough numbers here but HelloFresh knows on average their um a uh, new customer will last for about 32 weeks right sometimes more sometimes less on average 32 weeks well, the box at the time was like 60 bucks, 60 times 32, comes out to just about $2,000. And so you know HelloFresh's acquisition um, uh, tactics is to give away three bo- two boxes, three boxes, something like that. And at the time we were doing this case study, um, they were giving out three free boxes. So they're roughly 60 bucks a week. So they give away three weeks. It's 180 bucks. They knew the lifetime value of a new customer was roughly about $2,000. So they determined what they were willing to spend to acquire that customer. They were willing to spend about $180 to make $2,000. That's net positive, it's a huge return on investment. And I think we'd be better about figuring out how much we'd be willing to spend to acquire a customer if we had better information, better data that said, well, how much is a customer worth to us on average? I think we can get better at increasing that number, and I think if we get better at increasing that CLV, customer lifetime value, And I think we can get better about figuring out how much we'd be willing to spend. I think that's something we have to spend more time thinking about. This is just straight business, numbers, dollars, and cents. The other thing I've learned over the last five years is that the model has to change. I think there's something very broken about the way we run restaurants. And I think we just keep complaining about being squeezed by profit margins. And I think there are too many of us, and we're too important to uh, cities, to communities, to um, markets, big and small. Um, we can't keep doing it just to keep getting squeezed. It, it's okay to make money. It's okay to have a profitable business. If we create something, create a product that people want, we have to figure out how to make money doing it, and I think the model has to change. I, I don't know how. It's one of the things that uh, that I'm constantly investigating and asking about. It's one of the things we're going to talk about what we're going to cover in the next year, and that's one of the things I largely want to drill down and figure out. I think the model has to change the way we take care of people, the way we serve people, the way we on and on and on. I just think the model of restaurants has to change. The last piece is this idea of technology. I think our guests want technology, even if they pretend to tell us otherwise. I think they want technology, they just don't know it yet. So I'm going to use the example of Steve Jobs, and I've uh, I've shared this before on the show, and I'm going to share it with you again, because maybe for many of you, this is your first time hearing it. So Steve Jobs famously never set out to create a smartphone. He never set out to create iPhone. What he set out to do was create a pocket computer. He sat down with his board and his room of developers and the executives at Apple, and he said, I believe there's going to be a time in the not-too-distant future when we're going to need to be way more connected than we currently are. In fact, I think we're going to have to be so connected that we're gonna need a computer in our pocket. And everybody laughed at him and he said, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. And in the early memos that Steve Jobs put out, he wanted to create a device that could replace everything. Now, when he told people, and I'll get back to that in a second, when he told people that he wanted to create a pocket computer, they laughed. And, they, and he said, no, I'm serious. And he said, well, okay, here's the problem. People already carry a wallet. They already carry a phone. I don't think they're gonna carry, and they carry their keys. I don't think they're gonna carry something else. I don't, I don't think they're gonna wanna do that. Wallet, phone, keys, pocket computer just was gonna be one too many. And he said, okay, then figure out which of those we can replace. In fact, I wanna create a device that will replace all of them. His first directive was figure out what to replace and the answer was to replace the phone. We'll create a pocket computer that can double as a phone. But Steve Jobs' secret goal again was to replace all of them was to create something that could be your wallet it absolutely can be your wallet now we we how many times do we have apple pay where we've got cards preloaded there we can pay for everything we can even scan the phone and pay for things like the subway or things at the bodega at the at the convenience store it also it also has doubled as all these other things right i've got digital uh, digital locks on my house i don't have a key I do it either by code or by scanning, uh, by uh, using the app on my phone. That's incredible. So, yes, Steve Jobs created a pocket computer that also double as the keys. And if you got a Tesla, you can use your phone to unlock your Tesla. You can also It can also be your wallet. All we need is one device. The thing is that Steve Jobs looked into the future and saw something that most people didn't see. That's the power of an innovator he sees what people are going to want, not what they want now. I think people will want technology when we show them how swift it can be, when we show them how efficient and how fun and how technology actually frees up our people to create better experiences than they've ever had before. I love the people that push back against kiosks or table ordering as if waiters are the end-all be-all. How many times do you go to a restaurant and have a grumpy, sassy waiter How many times do you go to a restaurant and they forget your order? They're sort of huddled up talking at the service bar or in the back sipping coffee, checking their phone. Let's not pretend like most waiters are extraordinary. I think there's a percentage of waiters that are extraordinary. I think there's a bunch that are merely mediocre, and I think there are a large number that are truly terrible. Terrible because they're not interested. They don't care. But they get 20% of everything they sell, so they're happy to do it. They can work at nights that frees up their day to do whatever else they're trying to do. And I I fundamentally reject the idea that there isn't a different model out there because I think there is. I think our guests really do, really do want want technology. They just don't know it yet. We We have to show them how to want it. That's some of the stuff I've learned through the conversations and the deep thinking that I've done about the industry and the future of the industry. But I want to share with you is one final thing. Here are the topics that I hope to explore over the next 100 episodes, and I'm also going to use this as a request. You tell me the stuff that I should be that I should be uh, investigating. What are the things that you want me to talk about? Who are the people that I should be talking with? What are the conversations you want to have or you want me to have on this show? This show is for you. Yeah, I investigate. I I uh, I uncover the things that I'm curious about, but it's not all about me, it is about you. It is all about you. So here are the things that I'm interested in exploring over the next hundred episodes because I think this stuff's closer than we think. Number one, I sort of said this earlier, but I wanna investigate new models for restaurants and I wanna find other places that are doing new things. I think that's gonna be really important. Um, I wanna talk more about innovation and I wanna talk to more innovators, people who are innovating in all different areas with service models, with tipping models, with, uh, with ordering models st- structure. I want to talk, I want to talk innovation and I want to talk to innovators. Um, I want to talk about the, uh, the tipping, uh, tipping as it stands in this country and I want to talk about models that are starting to emerge, of uh, getting rid of tipping or splitting the tips more equitably and all that. I want to have that conversation. I want to talk about something that is woefully missing from our industry, which is a CRM platform. I think we are desperate for having a really great CRM platform that takes all the information from the POS system, all the information from the reservation system, and then other stuff, and puts that all together. Other stuff meaning understanding their uh, online digital life, their profiles, their social, their LinkedIn, all of that, so we can have one big hub so we can get to know our people better. I think we can use it to take better care of people, and I think we can use it to bring people back more uh, more consistently. I'm interested in investigating that. I want to talk about how we build better restaurants. I don't think, I think it's foolish to think that the restaurant model we have now is the best one, right? So we're talking about new models, but I want to just talk about better restaurants. How do we make better restaurants and how do we define better when it comes to restaurants? I want to have those conversations. Finally, I want to, I want to understand coaching as it, I know the way I coach. I know how I administer it. I know how I work with uh, restaurant owners But I really want to bring on other restaurant coaches and I want to talk to some of you guys who have worked with other coaches and consultants and understand uh, what they do and what they do that's working. Because I can always be better at what I do, but I think there's a better conversation here. I see the power, um, the impact that we're able to make on restaurant owners, and I wish there wasn't this stigma. right? I wish we were better at saying, I don't know or I need help. right? All the best athletes in the world have coaches. All the best, biggest CEOs in the world have coaches. So why not us? That, that's, the, that's the position I've taken. And so that's something I want to continue to investigate and explore over the, uh, the next 100 episodes. So that's it, guys. That's everything I wanted to talk about here. Episode 300 of the Restaurant Strategy Podcast. One final plug for everything I've got going on. If you are a restaurant owner struggling with profitability, then we want to talk with you. You do that by going to our website, restaurantstrategypodcast.com. Click the big button that says schedule a call or you can go to restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash schedule. That link is in the show notes. Grab some time. We would love to talk with you. I've got the book, The Restaurant Marketing Mindset. It's half off. If you're listening to this in real time, it's half price available on the website only. You can get it on Barnes & Noble and Amazon and all that, but if you come to our website, therestaurantmarketingmindset.com, you can get half price, so go and do that. Finally, my last request as we come to the end of the year, take a few minutes. If you get any sort of value from this show, take a few minutes, give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let other people what you've gotten out of the show and why they should listen to the show. That, more than just about anything else, helps us move the needle in building this community. Thank you very much. I appreciate all of you, and I will see you next time.